Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. And today I'm talking with Susan Borison, the founder and editor of Your Teen Media. Susan went to law school to prepare herself for negotiating with five teenagers. In the process, she needed to bolster her skills, so she founded Your Teen Media. In the past 14 years, YTM has helped countless parents also searching for the tools and advice to be the best parent they can be. Welcome, Susan. I'm so happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's start in. So what inspired you? Okay, five kids. I'm guessing that's part of the story. What inspired you to start your teen media? It really was a simple story that I think a lot of people experienced. There were so many resources for having young kids, starting with a play group where parents shared, my kid's not pooping, they're not sleeping. And and there was no judgment attached to any of those things. We just shared them. Mm -hmm. And Parents Magazine came and I read it cover to cover and took little mini tips in a little box that changed my day. And then all of a sudden, I was so keenly aware that all of it was stopping. And I did not find parenting to be a cumulative skill set. I, I hit each stage with the same sense of like, now what? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I would complain to my husband, like, why isn't anyone doing this? It's so crazy. Like, so much was available when the kids were young. And now I'm entering tween years with my kids. And I can't, I can't talk to my friends because that feels way too vulnerable. Mm. We are so wedded to perfection that if I'm going to be vulnerable and the response is, I'm sorry to hear that. I can't live with that. Like I want, if I'm going to say it to you and you're going to say it back to me, then yes, that's a conversation that keeps happening, but it doesn't really work like that. So readily, like not a lot of people want to really let you in behind the curtain. And then the other piece of it is there is a a sense that it's someone else's story now. So I could talk about my baby, not toilet training, but what if my 13 year old's wetting their bed? I am not telling anybody that like Mm. they're, or, or much more serious and grave things than that, but all painful to us as parents. And so to me, like a magazine was this ideal way of reading it. I mean, countless times I found that I was not alone just in general reading and that was so bolstering. And I wanted to do the same, well, I, for other people, but really also for myself. So that was the impetus for moving forward with this. It's so true. And I think I, t- I talked to a lot of parents who feel like what they're going through is unique to them. Like no one else is going through this, just them. And they feel like they're failing as a parent. Why do you think, and they're afraid to ask for help. Why do you think there's such a stigma around asking for help when your kids are teenagers? Well, I have five kids. Three of them are girls. And when the third one was going into like middle, fifth grade, I think maybe, um, I said to the teacher, like, I know what's going to happen this year socially for this girl. You must know what's going to happen. And she said, oh, yeah, it's the same every year. And I was like, well, why doesn't anyone tell us? Like, I knew that if a parent stopped me at school to ask me a question, because now, you know, I have five kids. So, and I was doing your teen, like what, 
I could, that was the question. And I knew the question before anyone started, if they had a daughter, my kid didn't get invited to the party. Do you think I should call the other parents? Because maybe the invitation got lost, or maybe I should just tell them that my kid feels really badly and they'll invite my kid. That is such a universal experience. And what we don't remember is that it happened to us and it continues to happen to us throughout our lives. But we have the skills to, to like say, I don't get invited to everything. Monday, if the wedding is Sunday, Monday, I'm not going to care anymore. This will go away. But mm-hmm. when we see our girls in that situation, it feels like the end, mm-hmm. like so big and dramatic. But I am here to tell you, it happens to everyone. And don't call the other parent. Just don't. You won't, there won't be satisfaction. Yeah. And it'll embarrass your kid. <laughs> well, I mean, some kids actually want to get that information, but like, what is the meaning of getting an invitation that you had to ask for? What does that, yeah. what situation do you, do you arrive to that party in? And also you're probably not getting the invitation, you know? Yeah. And I think it's still this embarrassment though for parents to ask questions like they'll ask you because now they know you do that same here like they'll ask me but it's kind of like don't tell anyone else you know that this is going on I'll be like let me tell you everyone's asking me the same question (laughs) so it is going on so how do we change that how do we help people realize this is a whole new ball game we nobody knows well, we try at your teen by just putting information out in every different way we can think of so that you can find it, you can access it, and you can go, ah, I'm not alone. I mean, it really is a feeling in life of just finding out that you are not alone that makes, makes you empowered to confront the situation that could be resolved instead of the one that is embarrassing and shameful in your brain. So, you know, we found, we used to meet, you know, pre-COVID around a kitchen table And when we first started, like over 14 years ago, just ideating, we all changed around that table where we just started to realize that nobody's life was perfect or what we perceived it to be. And so the first like half hour of the meeting was people just saying what happened in their lives as a parent. Mm -hmm. And it, it became so liberating. I mean, if you can find your group and do that, it's so liberating. Let go of perfection. It's boring. It's, you don't grow from it. It's, you know, it's like just open yourself up and you will find out that if you say, if you're brave enough to say it, you're going to find out that other people went through the same thing. Yes. And it's so comforting to know that you're not alone in this. Yeah. Like it happens. So we're calling this how to have more joy with your team, with your life, with your team. So what are some tips that you can provide for us, especially now when some things have been really highly, we've been a lot of anxiety, We've been, I've talked to a lot of parents that are just really struggling to connect with their kids and they feel like they're just fighting with them all the time. What tips can you provide parents that want to just find more joy? I mean, I think the, the reality is for good or bad, that when we change our behavior, it changes the household behavior. So sometimes I want to go, well, can't someone else do this? And they might be feeling the same way. They might be working on themselves, whether it's your spouse or your kids but I honestly can only change my own behavior. So I would start by saying, and this was advice that my therapist gave me, stop caring so much. And it, it really changed my relationship with my kids because I was ingesting all of this as, as like at me, that this was all about me. Every bad tone of voice, every roll of eye, every 
um, defiant behavior had something to do with an assault on me. And when I could see that it was about that child, like really mm. about that child and the day was hard or whatever else was going on, it, it just really changed my relationship with my kids. And I kind of felt like, but it's not fair. I am a middle child. I'll just put that out there. Um, but in fact, it, it is good. It's, it's good for your family. It's, it's good for your soul. It takes so much pressure off of you. And I think if moms can do that, it, it's like, ah, sigh of relief. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. It's so difficult to not take things personally. Yeah, I think it we is. take every single thing so deeply personally. But you're right. They have bad days. You know, we, we as parents snap when we've had a bad day. We have bad attitudes and don't necessarily say things we are proud of. Our teens do the same thing. And they have a lot of bad days because it's tough being a teen. It is. Their days are so challenging. And I would also say, like, it's, it's not just our relationship with our teenagers. I think there's some kind of perception of relationships being easy. But I don't have any easy relationships. I have really mm. meaningful relationships. But my marriage requires a lot of work. And, and my kids require a lot of work. I mean, on my part. Mm -hmm. And so do my friendships. So it's, it's kind of, I, I think this um, top-down parenting model is, is no longer really the, the, the parenting style of the moment. Um, our kids aren't being raised in a world where that's what they believe that, you know, because I said so works. And so we do have to work at that relationship differently than our parents did. Yeah. So what is another tip you can give us to just have a more joyful relationship with our teens? All right. This was a big one in my house. So it started for me, my kids would ask me to read their papers because I do a magazine, did a magazine and wrote and did a lot of editing. And so it became clear that they didn't, weren't always asking for me to redline their paper. And so I started to say to them, do you want me to like sue edit this or do you want me to kind of read this? And they were really clear. It wasn't like, why are you asking me that question? They totally would pause and go, oh, no, I, I, I don't want you picking up a pen and marking this up. And so we both went into it with the same expectation. Instead mm -hmm. of me investing a half hour of my time and them being mad at me for that, like we could say it up front. And that moved into, not my own advice, other experts' advice of doing that in general. Your kid comes to you with a problem. And, you know, I see myself as a problem solver. Like I see that even as my role but they don't often want me to solve the problem. They want me to, to validate their perspective on what just took place. And the real in my head can often be, you are insane. But the words out of my <laughs> mouth are, that's, that's so hard. That yeah. is so hard. That must be so hard for you. And it, there's no, like, it doesn't work to jump in with the solution for kids who are really just looking to vent. And I think, in my house, the majority, 90% of it is having someone to vent to. And the occasional time, if you say, do you want me to help you solve the problem? Or do you just want to vent? Occasionally, it's yes, can you help me solve the problem? But mostly, it's like, I, I really just want to vent. And asking that question seems, it seems like your kid is going to roll their eyes at you with that question. But this will take me to, to another point I want to say that I learned in life. But but your kid will answer you if you ask that question. 
And one of the things I found when I would ask for advice from experts, and some of it directly related to what was going on in my house, I really would have this visceral reaction, like, I cannot say those words. That's not me. I can't say those words. And I had this moment where I thought, if I'm going to keep being frustrated with what's currently happening and ask for alternative ways, I probably have to be uncomfortable with the words that don't feel like me because the me isn't working well. <laughs> it's not exactly. going well. So I, what I really want other parents to hear is that even though you're bristling at the idea and maybe you're eye rolling at the idea because it seems so absurd, what's the harm in trying it? You know, like it might and probably will do better than what you were doing if you were looking for an alternative. That's such a good point. I, I think a lot of times parents are hoping for a solution where they don't have to change, but there's some easy yes. magic bullet to make their teens change how yes. they're responding to what they're already doing. Yeah. And it doesn't work that way. Right? Which is such a friggin' bummer. I mean, I called a therapist one time and said she had to make, she, you know, could she fit my kid in the next day? She asks the story and she says, how about you come in? Yes. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. But it's, it's interesting when you hear from teens who find out that their parents are trying to learn how to communicate with them better. That right there is a huge win for the parents because now the teens are like, okay, now I trust you more and I respect you more because you're trying to. So I, I can't take it there in my house. I don't think anyone ever got to that point of like, hey, mom's trying so hard. <laughs> I, I don't think it went there. I don't, I think, you know, this relationship is not reciprocal. It's right. like, you know, you, you change. And I was content with the way that shifted the dynamic in the house, but I'm not sure they didn't think, well, it's, it's about time mom changed the way she does. Well, they do think that too, yeah. but right. But it's like, finally, it's not just me having to change. It's like, mom's actually trying something that's, that's super cool. Yeah. So what's another good point that you have? Um, this one is the one that I, well, there's two that are so hard for me. One of them is that I really found myself in a situation one time where a kid was leaving the house so angry with me. I was so worried about that kid and having them cut me off because I really actually thought there was a problem. And so I had to apologize for something that I was, I didn't do anything, but I did hurt that kid in some way even though their state of mind was more vulnerable and what I said was really not outrageous. And I found myself nervous letting that kid leave without us having a relationship, mm -hmm. digging their heels into something that they believed was a reality. And so I apologized. And even that didn't work. I had to apologize a lot. And I had to apologize with real clarity. Like, I, I feel like I hurt you and I would never want to do that. And for that, I'm so sorry. And, um, and it took so much like taking pride out of the story because in my mind, that was so backwards, but I can't even tell you how grateful I am that somehow at that moment, I, I felt too nervous about having that kid walk out the door um, that I could summon up like the, I'm sorry. And it just became like easier to do over and over again. And I, I really think that we can always apologize in a way that's authentic. That isn't, I'm sorry you screamed at me, right? Or I'm sorry yeah. you're a jerk. You can find something in everything where it's true. I am sorry that I hurt that kid. Yeah. Now, 
it, if you heard the story, you'd go, well, that kid, that was insane. Right. But I, I was, of course, sorry that it in any way interfered with our relationship. So I guess, you know, I want to say the message is so counterintuitive. Sometimes you just got to say you're sorry, even when you didn't really contribute because the relationship is more important than who's right. Yeah. And, you know, what comes up for a lot of people with that, I think, is, oh, my gosh, if I apologize, I'm basically undermining my own authority. Like, why am I the one apologizing? So what can you explain to parents like if you feel, if you're apologizing and admitting you're wrong, that that's going to diminish your authority with your kids. I guess I kind of let go of this notion of authority. Mm. Um, now, it's true. I didn't feel that way with my oldest. And I had a lot of years to practice and a lot of advice in those intervening years. But what I really ended up feeling like with my kids was that it just works so much better if we work it together, if we're in a relationship. And we respect each other. I mean, I, I had asked kids at certain times, like, well, that, that clearly didn't go the way it should have gone. What do you think the consequences sh- should be? And, you know, they often were right on it. You know, like, well, I guess, how about this? You know, if it's a trust issue, how about this? If it's a, it, whatever, like, if, if I impose it, if I come up with this top-down approach to it, there's just resentment. And like, I found at the times where that was most pronounced, that kid was struggling so much anyway. And like, if the world is beating my kid down, do I really, it's like they, they get sent home from school because they do something wrong. And then we layer on punishment. Um, Do I want to do that? Do I want to take them down even more? Yeah. What I'm hearing too, it's not a, I mean, a lot of times I think when we parent, people parent from a us versus them, like either I win or they win. And one of us is going to win. And what you're saying is it's not about you win or they win. It's about you guys winning together. Like you guys are on the same team and you're both trying to win and succeed at something. And I mean, it didn't take away from the right of my husband and I to say no to something, but, but we were more inclined to explain what the motive was, which required us to think about what are we afraid of? Like, is this a legitimate fear? Is this some like long assumption held fear that doesn't really exist? So it it does, it does make you think uh, there there aren't a lot of like definitive, well, no, you can't do that because I said so. Yeah. And by the way, I never found it to work with my kids anyway, when I said it. (laughs) No, because then they just think you don't have a good answer. And that just gives them more fodder for saying, oh, they're just being mean. I think they get more sneaky when you kind of set rules that they're not going to listen to anyway. And, you know, yeah, or don't understand or yeah. Can't see behind it. What your rationale is. Yeah. So now that you've raised five kids, what's something that you wish you had known um, at the beginning or earlier when they were teens, when they were first becoming teens? Um, I would say that particularly with my first kid, um, I was, I didn't do for her, but I felt for her in a deep and over-invested way. And particularly as it related to like college and now things really count. I think I, um, I saw a, an end game that was mine. Mm. And I learned because we got more invested in college as a space and just talking to experts and because I'd already gone through it, um, that where you go just doesn't matter. And why take four years of high school 
and spend it on four years later? Like, why not find what you enjoy in high school and take every day of your life and do it for that day and not for like what may come your way later on? So that I, you know, my, my youngest two are the beneficiaries of a very removed emotion from that whole process. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, we do get very invested. And I think why, why do you think parents are so invested and have such clarity of what the right thing is for their kids that they're, they don't want to let go of that, even if their kids are completely like against it? Um, I think that it was such a report card for me and really unhealthy way to live. But I've really lived in fear of rejection for my kid from college in a very big way. Like how it was shameful, the idea that this could happen. And how would we, how would we proceed? Mm -hmm. And who cares? I mean, let's just say other people are saying, oh, that's so sad that they didn't get in. Okay. All right. Well, something else will work out. Yeah, and that's because we're going to teach our kids how to make something else work out. Yeah. So it's more about us than them. I mean, such a hundred percent. And I, I mean, I think our kids pick up on what's going on out there in the world anyway, like school counselors, uh, teachers that see potential friendships that are competitive. It's all out there anyway. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I didn't have to ratchet it up. I could, I could, and later on did bring it to a healthy place where that's just not our priority in our house. Yeah. So what is your priority in your house? I mean, I want kids who can face the world, you know, that they have resilience is so overused, but what else can we do? What else can we have? We are going to have things come our way. There's life does not allow a smooth, straight path. And so like, if I can see that a kid can handle a bump in the road, I feel really good about it. I feel like, oh, job well done. Yeah. And what is, can you give us just one tip on how you help your team or your kids, they're grown out, but how you helped your kids develop that resiliency? Um, I think we let them own their own stuff. I, I ju- did just tell this story yesterday, but I'll tell it again because I think it's so funny. Um, one of my kids, we would get emails from the school that they got a, a failing grade on an assignment because they didn't hand it in. So they'd get a zero on, a, on an assignment because they didn't hand it in. And, um, and I, I would just forward it to that kid. And it, so that kid came in one day and said, oh, my God, I can't stand that you keep forwarding these emails to me. I'm just I'm getting it in. It's just not recorded yet. It's mm-hmm. late. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, okay, well, I have the perfect solution handed in earlier and I won't get the email and I won't forward the email to you. And he did it. (laughs) It was annoying enough to get the email from me. And, you know, the solution was pretty, pretty simple. But, you know, I didn't, I did this one thing that I really, I did it to save myself, but I think it's, it helped create resilient kids. I didn't get passwords for any of those things for school. I didn't know how to see what their scores were, what was what assignments were due. I never signed on to Naviance. And um, and the school college counselor thought that it was that I was negligent. She wanted to yeah. like literally felt like she was gonna call child services. And I was like, no, I'm not applying to college. My kid's gonna apply to college. Some of it is when you have a lot of kids, I I didn't have time. 
But I also just, I didn't want to obsess about it. Like if I knew they had a test tomorrow, I like every other parent, I'm going to go, why are you watching TV? You have a test tomorrow. Right. But if I didn't know, I just had to let them own it. Yep. I find what's amazing about that is when they know 100% they own it and it's important to them, they do it more than if you're there nagging them. Because then it's not them wanting to do it. It's you forcing them to do it rather than it being their choice. Well, I would say like looking for a happier relationship, that's a huge one. Yeah. And it doesn't mean your kid isn't going to fail. Honestly, like some kids are going to be motivated because you moved out of the way and some kids are going to be lazy and say, well, no one's, you know, I've, I spent the first 10 years of my life of my parents doing that for me. And now they're out of the way. Yeah. I'm going to game all day. Yeah. But I still, I still wasn't, I wasn't scared by that as an outcome. Yeah. I think that's really, really powerful. So how can people find your teen magazine and you, um, how can they find you? Well, we, we sadly, very sadly for me, because it was my baby stopped print during COVID. Um, But we have a podcast, your team with Sue and Steph on all the podcast stations We do a 1030 a.m. Eastern time Facebook live every day on our Facebook page, on our Your Teen page. We have yourteenmag.com. On our website, you'll see that we have courses there. We have an eight-week college course that was unbelievable for helping parents just kind of also, we always like to say, bring bring it down a little bit, bring the the anxiety and the Mm -hmm. pressure down. Um, and it was eight weeks of like extraordinary advice from such good experts. Mm. Um, and where else? I, we're, we're on all the social media platforms, Instagram and YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook. And um, and I think I might have covered all of it, but we're, you know, there's a lot everywhere. of stuff. Everywhere. You're everywhere. We, we try to be where moms in particular would be looking for information. So um, the, the arsenal of 14 years of advice and blogs and information that will make you a better parent, it's all there. That's amazing. Really great resource. Thank you for doing that. I know a lot of parents really need that. So before we go, any parting words of encouragement for parents with teenagers? I really believe that this is the most forgiving profession. And not only is it the most forgiving, striving for perfection is unattainable. So let go of that and just know that when it doesn't go well, our kids are so receptive to our acknowledgement of that. And you can even change your mind. Like you came up with a response for something and you slept on it and you can go back and say, you know, either you discussed it with a partner or you just woke up and said, I didn't like the look on their face when I told them that. And you go back and you say, can, can we ever redo? I feel like I didn't do that right. How could I have done that better? Or we have a new game plan. What do you think about this? And it, it's, such a, um, it's such a freeing perspective on parenting that you, know, you, you yourself can rest easier knowing that there's room. There's room to react like a human being, to lose your temper, to do all the things that we do in life and still be a great parent and raise a great child. That is a really great encouragement. I know a lot of parents struggle that going, how do I do this right all the time? And you don't have to, (laughs) you know, but it's okay to go back and redo. And it's okay to admit when you didn't do it well and, and learn. So that is really, really empowering. Thank you so much, Susan. Really appreciate that you're here today with us. 
Thanks for having me. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens succeed, you can grab my free guide, Seven Secrets to Motivating Teens, at askdrcam.com slash motivate teens. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies Susan shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.